Welcome to Liz Collin Reports. On the podcast today, the people behind the headline. Minnesota lost nearly 20,000 residents to other states last year. The Center of the American Experiment said the loss was by far the highest number in at least three decades. You're about to hear from three women, once Minnesota residents who recently left, their reasons, what life is like where they are now, and their advice for those of us who still call this state home. Megan McCormick is my first guest. Megan, thank you so much for joining me all the way from Arizona, where it's it's kind of cool there today, but uh, still 60 degrees, you said. 60 degrees and cloudy. Not bad at all. Now, I know you've been out that way for a few years now, but let's start with your backstory. When did you leave and why? So we left, my husband and I, we left at the end of August of 2019, and we actually moved out here on September 1st of 2019. We got sick of the political arena that was happening up in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. The police not getting supported, um, people not being able to do their jobs. Um, it was just, it was heartbreaking. I worked in downtown Minneapolis for seven years, and honestly, now that I don't work down there, I wouldn't want to because of everything I've heard, everything I've seen. just It's just not the same, and it's sad. Was there a final straw for you, Megan, or how long had this idea been building up to, to start over in a new state? So my husband is originally from Arizona. We had been talking about moving for a while, but all my family is up in Minnesota still. So... I was dealing with my grandma getting sick and her passing away. So I was still dealing with family stuff. And then in 2019, we just decided it was time. We were ready for a new start. No offense, we were sick of the weather, just <laughs> saying. Um, but I mean, we were just ready to start over and start somewhere different. And you were born and raised in Minnesota, as you said, living in Minneapolis, yep. and you're in Lake Havasu City now in Arizona. But explain the biggest differences that jumped out right away, beyond the weather, of course. We'll, we'll go ahead because that's not even fair. But uh, you did talk about how you noticed chain, big changes uh, from day one. Mm -hmm. So the crime here is pretty much nothing. There's really very little crime, if any. One of the biggest differences is people here are able to defend themselves. Arizona is um, an open carry state, so you will be eating at a restaurant and you will see somebody walk in that has a gun on their hip. Very different here compared to Minnesota, where it seems like people are not allowed to do that, which is sad. So nearly three years later, any regrets about making the move from Minnesota? No, no. Um, I love it out here. This is home. I do still go up to Minnesota, and when I do, to visit my family. If I have to go to Minneapolis, I make sure to stay down there during the day. I don't go out at night. Um, I just keep around my surroundings make sure I'm watching everything. Um, and I'm just making sure that I'm staying safe and the people that I'm with are too. Thank you, Megan. You're welcome. Candace Jones is my next guest. Thank you, Candace, for being on. Well, thanks for having me. And I know you were born and raised in Stillwater, raised your own family there. Just uh, talk to our listeners, our viewers. Where are you now? 
And why did you decide it was time to go? My son did graduate from a school in Stillwater. um, And that was what I was waiting for because I knew before my son graduated, I've known uh, probably the last 10 years that it was time to get out of Minnesota. It did mean taking a significant penalty in my pension. Um, but being younger and, um, well-rounded, I have a very diverse education. So I knew I could find something if I needed something else to supplement that. So once my son graduated, my husband and my daughter, we moved, we had looked at Texas. Um, he preferred Florida and my dad had moved from Minnesota to Florida probably 10 years ago. So my dad was like, yep, look at Florida. So we looked in Northern Florida and we happened to find something that was perfect. And for what we sold, um, our house in Stillwater on a little city lot, a smaller house, it was a cute house. We could buy a house that was 600 square feet larger, had an in-ground pool, uh, outbuildings and acreage. So it was, it was a good trade trade up. I know you probably won't brag about yourself, but I will for you. Uh, you were once named the fire <laughs> investigator of the year in Minnesota, but you talked about that. You were a sergeant with the St. Paul Police Department before you retired. Did what you see and experience, you know, day in, day out on, on the job also play a role in your decision to move? Yeah, I enjoyed my career. I would say that probably the first 10 years was a lot of fun. Um, I know that you know, the first few years I was there, I'm like, I saw guys retiring and I'm like, they're going to have to push me out here because this is way too much fun. I had a lot of fun. I worked with great people. Um, I worked midnights over in the Frogtown area. And I can say that being in a squad car by myself as a female, I could interact with people um, two o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. And there was a level of respect uh, that's no longer there. I mean, I used to jump out of my car and just sit and chat with uh, people out on the street, you know, find out what they were doing. Were they up to any good? Were they up to no good? Um, You know, they, back then you kind of had your regular people who were out and about. And for the most part, they knew the officers that were working. Um, If not, you got to know them because you kind of worked the same shifts Mm -hmm. each year, you know, every year you were kind of bid the same shift. And um, over time that really changed. And I can say that, you know, now you rarely see a single person in a squad car because it just isn't safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty sad, but just watching how the community changed. Um, and it wasn't just in St. Paul, living in Stillwater. Um, like I said, it was a community that, you know, you knew people, you got along with, you may have differences in political opinion, um, but you still got along and you didn't hold it against people. And I can tell you that the last few years, that I was there, there were certain people who, being a police officer, um, they just refused to be friends with you. They refused to interact with you as a member of the community. Um, they made assumptions about you. Uh, my daughter uh, had a really, her best friend she considered. Uh, during the riots, uh, he talked about how horrible police are, called them all murderers. My daughter was like, you know, my mom's police officer. She's not like that. And he's like, hmm. well, if you're part of that, then we're not friends anymore. Wow. Um, really, during the riots, you really saw the split. You really, people kind of, I felt like, had to take a side. You either supported the riots and, the and and you know, that you felt like there was uh, a problem with all police. Or, you know, you were on the side of the police and you supported police. 
Um, and so I really saw that divide and I saw it affect my children. And that was a, a big reason why it was time. What My daughter was in a phenomenal school, um, but it was time to leave because it just, you know, the respect wasn't there. She was really struggling and it wasn't fair. I mean, had tears and she's a loyal kid. So it was hard to see her come home and feel that way. And that's why I commend you really for coming forward and sharing your story, because there are stories, frankly, that uh, many people don't speak up and, and, and talk about. But you talked about that when we were emailing each other, too, that you watched this community that you grew up in go from a kind, respectful neighborhood to a divided, angry neighborhood because of the political divide. I think a lot of us are wondering, do you see that where you are now? There has to be at least a few Democrats, I would imagine, in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> well, we um, so we live in a pretty conservative area because it is a lot of ranches and farmers. Um, but we are part of uh, Alachua County and Alachua County is run by Gainesville. And if you know anything about Gainesville, that's where the University of Florida is. Um, so it is a pretty liberal city. Uh, we see a lot of issues. In, and I tell people um, and I comment, of course, on Facebook posts and things like that, that I see Gainesville kind of like what Minneapolis was maybe 10 years ago. Um, they're starting to have a real increase in um, shootings, um, gang crime, um, carjackings, things that they just haven't seen probably five years ago. And you see issues with the uh, politicians that are running the city and how they're manipulating um, the voting process. We just voted on single member districts where um, – you know, because I live in a really small community, so our representative may only get a couple, maybe 8,000, 6,000 votes in my district. But when you have the people of Gainesville, where you have, you know, tens of thousands of people there who are doing the voting, they really drowned out the smaller areas. Mm-hmm. So um, I believe that the single member districts passed and it they fought it. The NAACP, who was encouraging it in other areas was fighting it here because they knew that um, it took away some of the stronghold that the county commissioners in Alachua have on the area. You can have a, a sticker that says that you support Biden or a sticker that says you can support Trump, where I know that, you know, having, I mean, honestly, when my house was up for sale in Stillwater, my son had a, a Trump 2020 sticker on his dresser. We had a family who wrote a whole three paragraphs about how they loved the house. They were willing to make an offer above asking price on the house. But this one Trump 2020 sticker on a teenage boy's dresser made them think the whole community was Trump supporters and they didn't want to live somewhere like that. So they refused to put an offer in. And I thought, wow, you're going to you're going to judge. I mean, that's the whole thing. You're judging an entire community neighborhood based on a sticker you see on a teenage boy's dresser. And I thought that was, that kind of says more about you than it does about the community or the person who even had that sticker. And how about taxes too? That, yeah, that no uh, state income tax in Florida probably didn't hurt either. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It really helps the pension go a little bit further. Um, (laughs) When I, we were hoping we would get something back because we paid in quite a bit of state tax for 2021, because even though we left in June, we had to pay as a full year resident there. So, um, but we didn't get anything back. So, but it does make a difference. That's for sure. So a year and a half into the move then Candace, any, any regrets is the, is the grass really greener? (laughs) It certainly is. And it is right now because we've had some rain, so we can look around. (laughs) It's, it's wonderful in January to see green pastures, 
It's awesome. And the grass is green. Well, thank you, Candace, very much for, for sharing your story. And we appreciate all your years of service uh, in Minnesota. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. From Arizona to Florida and now to Texas, where we find our next lady who left Minnesota. That is Jenna Turton. Thank you so much for, for joining me, Jenna. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, thanks for having me, Liz. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> And Jenna, you said uh, that you made the extremely easy decision uh, to move to Texas uh, recently. Uh, when, when did you do it and why? I did. So um, I actually moved to Texas and I, t- I love to tell this story. Texans really get a, a kick out of it. But 2020, 2021 is when I moved down. And it was actually the, the weekend or the week of the winter storm here in Texas. So the, the Arctic grid failure, snow, ice, apocalypse that they had in Texas. So that was my... Uh, warm welcoming, I'll, I'll say, to Texas. And so I've uh, been here two years now and uh, I'm absolutely loving it. Just, just love Texas. Uh, uh, why I moved, um, I um, actually moved for my husband. So uh, we dated long distance. I was living in Minnesota. I, I grew up there my whole entire life. Um, I always thought I would stay there. Uh, but in, when dating my husband, now husband, he said um, he would never move to Minnesota. Wasn't going to deal with harsh winters. He's a a Texas guy at heart, born and raised here, lived in New Mexico. Snow is not his thing. And so I accepted that <laughs> and knew if we were to get married and things like that, I would end up living in Texas, which um, I absolutely love. So I, I'm, I'm very happy to live in Texas. Um, I have family in Minnesota still, so that can be tough sometimes, but I get to see them often. So the transition was very easy for me. And let's go back to the summer of 2020, COVID, the riots, all of that playing out basically in your front yard. As you've said, you were living in Lower Town in St. Paul, but you said you were experiencing anxiety for really the first time in your life. So when we kind of first had our, our lockdowns in the Twin Cities, I kind of booked a one-way ticket to Texas. And when I came home, uh, was just, uh, I think it was like early May. And so leading into that summer of 2020, where things it's just it just felt like blew up. I mean, there was there was COVID um, because um, places like the big uh, companies downtown weren't having employees there. People were shutting down, or just businesses were plain shutting down because they couldn't operate anymore. Um, it was almost like an open invitation for uh, just lawlessness and people to come in and cause harm. Um, I've been. Uh, I moved out of Woodbury and lived in St. Paul, my first apartment when I was 19. I loved St. Paul. I lived there through my early 20s. I could walk home at two in the morning and be totally fine by myself. Uh, that wasn't the same St. Paul. Uh, there were still homeless people, of course, like every city, major city, but there were people who came to harm people and to take advantage of um, homeless or those who were, were struggling. So, you know, I, I was a runner. I loved to go out and run around St. Paul. Like a lot of people love lower town, running down by the river. I wouldn't even go out Sunday at 2 p.m. to run. I mean, it was, I didn't want to go to the farmer's market. I didn't want to leave. Um, there's so many situations and altercations that happened with folks who um, were not there for any reason other than to cause problems, sell drugs, um, and do things like that. And so, uh, you know, there was it's gunshots and just needles everywhere. You go through Mears Park and it's just... It was a party 24-7. I lived right a uh, condo building right next to Beers Park. And I think that, you know, leading into the fall, I probably called the St. Paul Police Department three, four times a week, 911, whether uh, hmm. 
there was altercations, fights going on any hours of the morning, or somebody was so high out there, fentanyl, whatever it was, and they were just causing harm to themselves. Uh, it's just the craziest things I've, I've ever seen. And share with our listeners the, the comments you received, Jenna, from strangers now uh, since you moved there. Yeah. When you tell them you're, you're from Minnesota, I think uh, their responses say a lot. I'm sitting down speaking with women, Bible study, whatever it might be. And uh, specifically one of the, uh, a woman I ran into and I was telling, I was from Minnesota uh, and she had asked me, and I do it with the accent because you have to. And she said, you know, did y'all really get rid of the police there in Minnesota? And I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. But the, the assumption was that we just, the state of Minnesota, got rid of all of our, our police officers. We didn't need them. We didn't want them. And I said, you know, no. I said, there, you know, there's elected officials and there's people who probably wanted to do that and tried. I said, we didn't. But um, another uh, individual I ran into, and I think I was checking out at the grocery store at Kroger and um, – I had my Minnesota Vikings shirt on. I think she was originally from South Dakota. And so she, we started talking and, and she says, yeah, you know, crazy stuff going on there with that drug dealer. And I said, oh, I said, well, who? Kind of knowing what she was talking about, but I wanted to see what she had to say. And she said, yeah, I just, I just can't believe you're putting up statues and naming streets after, you know, a drug dealer hmm. who caused harm to people. And it's being overlooked and we're worshiping him. That state's worshiping him. And I said, oh, yeah, I know. I don't, I don't understand that. Um, but it was interesting yeah. hearing perspectives outside of Minnesota because Minnesota was so obsessed with it. I felt like you couldn't go anywhere, talk to anyone, see anything without that in your face 24-7. And it's interesting, too, Jenna, because where you are now, George Floyd is actually from Texas. Uh, yeah, so Houston, an interesting, think, yeah. <laughs> interesting reaction that you get from from people that live there. But mm -hmm. but you did talk about this, that that this was also uh, partly an easy move for you because Minnesota became so obsessed uh, with race, uh, especially. Yeah, it, it felt, you know, you couldn't go anywhere without something about race being brought up or whether that company group you know, firm, whatever believed what they were saying and actually stood for it, or they were just saying it because that's what you had to do to, uh, you know, at that time to, to please people. Um, Texas doesn't do stuff just to please people. Texas does the right thing. It feels like. And so, um, leaving Minnesota and coming to Texas, I felt this just, it was a relief, like almost like a big sigh and you let it out, you know, and you do the meditation, say, breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. It really felt like that deep sigh of just like, oh, it's, there's peace, it's peaceful. I mean, Texas has problems, no doubt, but uh, it's not just always talked about in your face trying to create it when it's, when it doesn't exist. And I felt like that was almost everywhere in Minnesota, everything, everyone, um, creating this nonsense. It, it, it was, it didn't exist, but they wanted to create it. Uh, so it was top of mind for people or, um, almost made people just not like each other. It's just really sad, really sad. 
Another line you sent me that I loved, uh, you said, respect flows as natural as the wind here. I love how I see children being respectful, mm-hmm. always addressing me as Miss Jenna mm-hmm. or ma'am yes. uh, by strangers. <laughs> That's been a change you said as well. Yeah. So example today, I, uh, or it was yesterday, I went to the gym and, uh, you know, probably 15 year old boys were leaving and they were sitting there about maybe 10 feet from the door of walking out. Two of them got up out of their chair immediately to open the door for me, put their phones down, got up to open the door for me. You know, I said, thanks. Thanks, guys. Yes, ma'am. You know, and so uh, the neighbors across the street, uh, you know, kids here address adults as miss or mister, um, sir, ma'am. And so I'm Miss Jenna. They can't say mister yet. So my husband is Miss Jeff. That's OK. <laughs> they have trouble with their R's. But there is this sense of respect Um in Texas, especially when you get out, you get out of Dallas and and um, get out of Austin. You have people who are God fearing. Faith is a priority. Family is a priority, and loving on each other is a priority too. And so, you know, um, I, an example is in Minnesota. If you see a kid acting up at a party and there's parents there, and you go to that kid and you say, "You better get off that couch and you better listen," you know, don't do that. You have a parent yelling at you for correcting their child versus in Texas, children enter your home. And the first thing, and this is just my experience. It could be different, but maybe it's the people we know, but children enter your home and, the, and it is who's in charge, Mr. Mr. and Miss, you know, Jen and Jeff, Mrs. Jeff or Mrs. Jenna, Mrs. Jenna, Mr. Jeff. And you listen to them. They tell you something. That's the rule. You know, there's, it, it, it's just like, oh. The way it should be, almost like it was with probably your parents, my parents, grandparents, uh, respect. And it's an adult, and that's who you respect. It does. It, they could have a total different philosophy, but if that's what an adult says, we're going to respect it in that moment. Uh, it's just so refreshing. For anyone on the fence about making a move out of Minnesota or starting over somewhere else you're not familiar with at all, what would you tell them? Oh, I'd say, please come to Texas. I'll help you find a home. <laughs> <laughs> We have some for sale here in my neighborhood. I would love to have anybody. Um, I think that the major thing is, you know, people say, don't California my Texas, you know, and, and don't do that. But uh, really, it's understanding. Uh, it's just a little bit different way of life. And people just, uh, things are a little slower here, which is great. Um, but just the respect for authority figures, respect for adults, respect for women, um, is something that I was raised traditionally. And so I just, I love it here. And uh, I think if you, if you can't do those three things, Texas probably isn't the place for you. Well, enjoy Texas. We wish you a happy, happy new year. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that will do it for this episode of Liz Collin reports. We will see you next time.